Thursday edition of the Tony G Show, set to get going. I am Tony G. That is Will McCormick. Yo. And, you know, we only have a couple more of these to go. Not not shows, not Tony G shows. But a couple more check-ins and updates on the golf game of Will McCormick. Two more, to be exact. Two more, uh, besides this one. I think we should talk about your game, too. All right. It's beautiful. You were uh, doing some tree trimming today. Okay, so what did we do on the golf course? <laughs> Hole one is just our enemy. It is. It really I mean, is. It's just we... We can't defeat that one. Yeah. Uh, there's something about it. I don't know. I would, honestly, I'd suck. say. We ev- can't get out of the rough. Yeah. Every hole. Just can't fit. Uh, at this point. Two. Yeah. Hole two is all right, though. We, we do pretty good for hole two. I shot one way to the right on hole two, and I said, give me another one. Went and grabbed another ball, shot again, and it was much better. Hole three comes up. What mm-hmm. happens, Well, On my drive? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I drove. Oh, I hit okay, ten I feet in front of me. I shot to the right and into the trees. We lost that one. <laughs> so I shot another one. <laughs> and it went way, way over yeah, the fairway. I, mean, I cleared. See, that's what I, I need, too, so that I can get the bad one out of the way. And then the second one, I clear the deck. It wasn't even on the... It was on the wrong hole. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, but it was straight, though. That's the thing. Is I bombed it. Maybe start using the three wood instead of the... Uh, yeah. The driver for that one. And then on, uh, or no, was it the first hole you, on your uh, chip or wedge, you hit the trees and cut a couple of branches down? No. Is it? Yeah. Really? You didn't see that? It definitely I happened. Remember. I don't remember. But I remember uh, your wedge game on hole three. Great. Wow. Fantastic. I say, right as I say, because I'm walking away to go to my ball. Will's got the wedge. I'm, he's going to shoot first, then I'll go. On my, I turn around and walk towards my ball, and I say, "Will, nice and easy." And I did. Go the nice second and easy. I say that, he <laughs> swings, and this ball, all right, scoots across the green to the other side, down the hill, down the mound. He goes, "Ow, <laughs> <laughs> Will, told you, uh, just take it easy." Yeah. So whatever. Then hole nice. four comes around. We did four today. Mm-hmm. Out of because you know we got class. Shot six under. We just go out. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, hole four today. Uh, Will McCormick and I both shoot it into the right to the right (laughs) into the trees. Oh, we both had a decent drive. That's a tough one though. Like, what are you supposed to do? Snakes to the right and then back to the left. I don't know. It's like an S. I can't wait to have Luca Kenyon on the show. Yeah, she's our next Tony G Show interviews, and she's the SNC women's golfer. So she'll be able to talk to us about golfing. Maybe give us a little coach and and uh, try to improve our game. We only got two more check Two more, two more attempts to even to get close. So not to mention today, since we're I mean we're talking about sports and golf. Today is uh, the Ryder Cup, mm-hmm. or beginning this Thursday. A couple of our friends or our uh, classmates are there. Maybe maybe next Tuesday or Thursday, you know, I'll do like a head to head and see where we stand. Yeah, like Instead be for doing real a, about it. Yeah. See. Will yeah. actually compete, and then uh, that that'll be off of our us going to the Ryder Cup because I think we qualify with our play. We should have. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, maybe the invitation went to my junk mail or something. Yeah, yeah. If anybody out there, um, uh, I don't know. What yeah. are you doing? I don't know. Okay, Will McCormick, <laughs> a little bit jumpy today, but that's all right. We'll fight through. And we'll it's a coffee. The Tony G Show. 
Preview of the show, the scariest team heading into the Major League Baseball postseason. We'll break that down, why they are the scariest team in both the AL and the NL. And then we'll do the, remember on Tuesday I mentioned something about the NFC North and talking about who is uh, the team that's going to come out of the North, who is the good, the better of the four teams. So we'll do a little bit of a prediction after we've been through two weeks, kind of reassess and see where we're at with the NFC North. And then, of course, Tony G's Picks of the Week. It's a Thursday episode. You ready, Will? Well, I'm ready. I'm always ready. You see, I think that's a cliche for you now. Cause I'm you always ready. Think, yeah. I'm always ready. One time I'll say I'm not ready, and I'll just kind of evaluate your the way you handle that. <laughs> you ready, Will? No. Here we go anyways. This is the Tony G Show, Season 7, Episode 6. You're listening to the Tony G Show, now in its seventh season. Subscribe to the show now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Also on Instagram at Tony G Ordana. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's the host... Tony G. It is September 23rd of the 2021 Major League Baseball season. I want to discuss the scariest team heading into the postseason as a whole. We'll talk a little bit about different AL teams and NL teams, but I think overall the scariest team is it the Tampa Bay Rays, who are 94 and 59. No, I don't think so. Is it the Chicago White Sox, who are 85, 66? No. Is it even the San Francisco Giants or the Los Angeles Dodgers? No, because I think they're beatable. Beatable in a sense that this team is not necessarily. The St. Louis Cardinals are on an absolute tear as we go down the stretch in Major League Baseball. They are on an 11-game win streak and are 13-1 and in their last 15 days. They're on an absolute tear. Lost once in the last two weeks plus. And not to mention, they've taken three of the last... Four from the Brewers, or I should say three of four in this four-game series that they have in Milwaukee against the Brewers. They're actually playing right now, mm-hmm. uh, Brewers-Cardinals. So uh, We are recording this episode right in the middle of game four of that series. But the Cardinals took the first three games, and they look great. I mean, they look scary good. Mm-hmm. And here's why I say they're the scariest team heading into the postseason is because they have a history of doing this, a history of winning. Coming out of the All-Star break, well, this team was not in an arm's length of capturing the NL Central, the division they're in. They had faint hopes of a wild card run because the West was looking good. Giants, Dodgers, even the Padres at the time. You figured the two wild card teams were going to come out of the West with the three teams at the top of the division there. And if not, it was going to be the Cincinnati Reds who were second in the division in the Central, playing good baseball, and were red hot, on the tail of the Milwaukee Brewers. Now, the Brewers pulled away, extended their lead in the division to about 10, 11 games. Mm-hmm. And throughout the course of the second half of the season, the Reds kind of fell out of contention. The Padres kind of fell out of contention. The team out of the NL East is going to be whoever wins that division. Right now, it's looking like Atlanta. They have a three-game lead at this point. So the wild card looks like it's going to be either Giants or Dodgers, depending on who wins that division. And the team that comes out of the NL Central who doesn't win the division uh, for the, for either the Milwaukee Brewers, St. Louis Cardinals, or even the Reds still have hopes. But the Cardinals, the point here being is that the Cardinals were not in the mix. 
And then they did what the Cardinals do, and they turn it on at the time they need to. Mm-hmm. This is another example of how the Cardinals are one of the better run franchises and organizations in all of sports because they never think they are out of the mix. They never think they're out of contention. They never think they're done. And right when you think they're done, you have them snuffed away and they're not going to contend in this season and into the postseason. Then all of a sudden they make this tremendous run and get themselves in the middle of the mix. And then when it goes down the stretch, well, and, and you find a team that needs to win, like literally their backs are against the wall. If they do not win, they are not going to get into the postseason. And then all of a sudden they turn it on. That's what the Cardinals do. Do they have a history of doing that? Like what's... I, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I was just, I, that was kind of a rhetorical question, but... It, it was. Well, the Cardinals have a history of contending. And if they aren't contending well, then the point is that they're still going to be there. You can never count out this team. They're like the Patriots of Major League Baseball. Hmm. Maybe that's not a good example because the Patriots are in a division where they're never behind. That's true. So maybe they're... But I get what you're saying. They, you, like, you they the compete. Point, like they're yeah. that team that always kind of they're there. comes back, comes out of nowhere, and steals the eye. Mm-hmm. St. Louis Cardinals currently, after this 11-game win streak... See what I mean, though? Like September. Yeah. Like September. This is the month where divisions are decided, where playoff spots are clinched. And you really see the landscape of the postseason, who's going to be the teams that are going to make a deep run, who are going to be the teams that are going to just kind of be there for the ride. And who are teams that aren't going to make it at all that you thought were going to make it? You really start to see this landscape shape out in September of the Major League Baseball season. So with saying that, again, Cardinals on an 11-game win streak. 13-1 and one when it matters mm-hmm. in the they're, last 14 games. I think they're nine, nine behind the Brewers, not including the game that's being played right now. So it could Coming be into today, 10 or 8. Eight and a half back. Eight and a half back. Eight and so. a half back. Milwaukee's lead is still fairly comfortable. Mm-hmm. I think the the magic number at this point, at this recording for the Brewers, is two games. So they got to get two win more games today, up. Then they need to win again, and their next win they seal the division. It'll be their there division. We go. But they could have done that this series, right? And the Cardinals again, this team that comes out of nowhere and continuously, consistently—that's a better word. Let's find my words here, yeah. college scholar, right? They consistently come out of the mix and establish themselves as a team not to be reckoned with. As a team that is going to scare you. Never consider this, themselves out of the mix. We'll kind of see what happens towards the back half of the year here because that baseball is all about momentum, I feel like. And yeah. right now they're moving in that scary direction where they can knock really about anybody off especially with with it baseball is kind of like basketball in that like because you play obviously because you play series this is like yeah this is obvious obvious facts but momentum is a huge factor well and not to, to that point i had a conversation with somebody about how in past seasons the milwaukee brewers have gone into the postseason on a roll Mm-hmm. have gotten hot to get into the postseason. I remember a few years back, they had to win a bunch of games to do it, and they did. They like stripped off 15 wins, 20 wins, to get themselves into the postseason, into contention. This season, they're kind of uh, not playing lights out. They clinched the division, and then they just kind of feels like they've... Kind of blech. Blech, yeah. It's just a good word for it, because mm-hmm. they have kind of not attacked the game with that same intensity. Yeah. And so it's a mixture of that, 
and the Cardinals being ultra intense, trying to fight for a playoff spot. I mean, it's just the de- it's straight war here. Well, it makes you yeah. These makes... teams have to fight, literally fight. Okay, maybe not like fist punch, but they have to fight and and compete and scratch and claw to get themselves in the postseason. And the better team is going to do that, and that's the Cardinals right now. And it's all about. I mean, I it's. It's a battle when you have momentum like this. If whether you'd rather have it now or have it kick in later, yes, you know, like because yep. it's not going to last forever. Win streaks suck because at one point you're going to lose, and then it really sucks. Mm-hmm. I, I think our buddy Jason Fonder says that he hates win streaks. Yeah, he does. He said that before I played mm-hmm. for him. In the same conversation, again to this note, well, the same conversation where I had where we've talked Brewers have been hot going into the postseason. I kind of had the perspective of. Well, get the losing out of the way now mm-hmm. because you only have so many games to lose yeah. in the postseason before you are eliminated. Was it uh, was it this year the Bucks had a kind of a slow start to the season? Yeah. So, I mean, there's another example. Like, yep. Get that, that learning out of the way early and let yourself find your rhythm in, play- in the playoffs. Buccaneers last year, Tampa Bay Buccaneers this is, started, they lost 38-3 to to the Saints. I'm not making this a Packers conversation, but the Packers also lost by that score in week one. Buccaneers did it in week one to the Saints. Came back, won the Super Bowl. There we go. Get the losing out of the way early Mm -hmm. or when it doesn't matter as much. Yeah. So that when you get to the point where you have to win, your team can flip on this intensity because they're recharged, they're refocused, Mm -hmm. and they know the goal. They know how to combat those those struggles. Exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of this, this balance, this distribution, this yin and yang between do you want momentum or do you want... To get the losing out of the way early and go into the postseason with a little bit of a, a refreshed state. Yeah, we're coming off a couple of losing series back to back to back here. But we got the losing out of the way now. We know our weaknesses. We know our strengths. Let's play to that and move forward in the postseason. When you, and when you switch that conversation to the Cardinals, is this something that they have to worry about? Is that can they carry this momentum forward? Exactly. What, are, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think they and, have the ability to? Yes, exactly. And I would discuss recent seasons when they do this. 2011, the St. Louis Cardinals beat the Milwaukee Brewers in the NLCS to go to the World Series, which they then eventually won. Cardinals were hot that September heading into the postseason. Mm-hmm. And I remember a particular name, not just in this postseason, but in postseasons around that era, the 2010 2011, 2012, maybe even 13 era, was David Freeze. And David Freeze was the hottest hitter in the game of baseball. Was the hottest hitter in the world in September into October and helped win that World Series. I remember Rangers-Cardinals, World Series. Rangers send out Joe Nathan, who we've talked about on the show before, possibly a Hall of Fame closer, who was then for the... uh, who was then closing for the Texas Rangers of the World Series. David Freeze comes up, ties the game in the ninth inning when the Rangers are an out, two outs away. I think there was two outs, so I think they were an out away from being World Series champions. Ties the game, send it, sends it to extra innings. His next at-bat, I believe it's the 11th inning. David Freeze, walk-off home run, wins the game. Progresses the World Series to the point the Cardinals eventually get another chance and win. Mm-hmm. So why do I bring this example up? Well, he was the hottest hitter in the world. He carried that momentum from September into October when the Cardinals needed that sort of momentum, that sort of kick to win them a World Series. And what do you know? They were champions of the world. Took, took 
the World Series right from the hands of the Texas Rangers, who lost in back-to-back years, by the way. So they were hungry coming mm-hmm. up for another, another World Series run. Point here being, once again, I almost think it's better in this conversation. Is it better to be hot or better to get the losing out of the way? I'm an optimist, so I say, get the losing out of the way. Mm-hmm. But I do in my heart of hearts think that if you're the hotter team heading into the postseason. Now, granted, you get to the postseason, batting averages go back to 0 Everybody is, you know, ERAs are 0.00. Right. Everything's back to nothing because we're starting over. This is the best of the best in the 2021 season. Let's fight to see who's going to win the World Series this year. So, yes, everything does restart. But you can't deny the fact that if one team is on this massive winning streak, if one team is playing their best baseball of the season when it counts, they all have a goal in mind, they all have their focus adjusted, and they are playing in unison like a team. That team is scary. Mm -hmm. So why don't I say it's the Tampa Bay Rays? Well, because the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, they had a couple comeback victories. They're narrowly winning games, not to mention, you know, and they have one of the better records in baseball, 94 and 59 as of today. But not to mention... They also have some injuries that they were plagued by. Granted, who isn't at this point of the season? But one of their Cy Young candidate uh, starting pitchers, Tyler Glasnow, injured early in the season, won't be able to participate in postseason. So they are kind of dealing with these walls. They're still a good team. I think they are my pick to come out of the AL and head to the World Series, if nobody else. I don't say it's Giants-Dodgers. I mentioned that I think they are beatable. It's unlike the Giants and the Dodgers because they just win games because they're talented. right? They have loads of talent. They have loads of experience. In the case of the Giants, I don't think it's the manager. Gabe Kapler's done a great job, don't get me wrong. But I don't think he's uh, the same as a Bruce Bochy or someone who carries that sort of weight into a postseason has that experience. So there's he lacks that side of it a little bit. Dodgers, it's more of they just talented. They're just going to out-talent you. Everywhere in their lineup, there's no break. Kind of the same thing with the Yankees. There's no break in their lineup. Starting pitching is great. Bullpen is, well, for the Dodgers this year, I'd say it's above average, which is below average for the Dodgers. But it's above average. Kenley Jansen hasn't been as locked down this year. But it's still good uh, pitching. It's still good uh, closing games and bullpens. It, it helps them win games. It's just a talent thing with them. So I don't buy into that because... On any given day or sets of days, you can beat talent. It's harder to beat well-managed teams. It's harder to beat hot teams. It's harder to beat teams that play together. It's I argue that it's easier to just beat these talented teams with loads of talent, with stars and prospects all up and down their roster. You can outplay that on any given Mm -hmm. day. I mean, it's sports. Strategy. It's you. Any given day, you can beat. That sort of talent. If it's not well managed, if it's not uh, well good play, mm-hmm. if it's not in unison, you can beat that. So I think the scariest team in all of baseball heading into the postseason is the St. Louis Cardinals. That's all of Major League Baseball, NL two. But I think the hottest team, scariest team out of the AL would be Tampa Bay Rays, who were in it last year. Mentioned them a couple times uh, throughout the course of this show. Can't count out Boston. Can't count out the Yankees. White Sox are winning the division and are going to win the division heading to the postseason. I think that's more so just because the division is bad. Mm-hmm. And the White Sox have talent to cope with that. I don't think they're in a very... It's like the NFC 
East almost. They should. I mean, they should win on a basis of talent alone. Yeah, but heading into the postseason, when you, they're not battle tested against these really tough teams to play. Right. I mean, Detroit is third in that division. The Tigers at seventy four, yeah. seventy eight. So I mean, like that's just not. It's not competitive baseball. What do you think about the uh, the Astros out of the AL West? Because just okay. mentioning momentum, the last ten they've won eight. That's a lot. Eight and two in their last ten. They are playing. Good. That's a that's a decent you know. Direction. It's a weird situation in Houston because I their pitching is like a question mark for me. It's a good team. It's good pitching. Mm-hmm. They played well, ninety one and sixty one. But so. they have Zach Greinke, who I think is like fifty six, fifty seven. And not to mention that the 60-year-old Justin Verlander is injured this year as well. So, I mean, like, it's weird. It's a weird pitching situation. Jose Urquidy is another guy that pitches for them a lot. I... Not to mention they can't cheat anymore. <laughs> I knew this was... I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this up. I mean, you have to. It's hard not to. Yeah. If you remember from uh, season three, we won the World Series, and we'll leave it at that. I think we did a full episode on just ripping into them. Yeah. Pretty sure we did. Mm-hmm. Didn't even do a script. We even used audio. We did use audio. That's right. Yep. Brought up their uh, press conferences. Yeah. Of them cheating and their cheating oh. scandal. And their if I ever get mad. Insincerity. If I, if I want to lift, you have a good lift, I just listen to uh, Dusty talk about how he didn't know or didn't think it was cheating. And then, I, <laughs> then I'll have a good lift. So that's the type of stuff you think of to get mad. Kind of, yeah. Sets me off, you know. Sure. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, they're on a they're on a good a good streak right now at eight uh, eight and two in the last ten. So that's is that team that we need to be looking out for here. Not to mention that they're not to mention, excuse me, that they are thirty games over five hundred, ninety one wins already at this point. The thing that scares me with them is that at home they're forty seven and twenty eight. So you can argue that any team is good at home, mm-hmm. but the Astros especially. Probably 50 wins at home when the season ends, which is more than any other team in baseball besides the San Francisco Giants and Los Angeles Dodgers. Again, we mentioned their talent and and this or that. But you look at teams like uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, even the St. Louis Cardinals, 42 and 35, 42 and 33 at home. Home is where you need to be winning. Mm -hmm. Atlanta, 37 and 36. If you're at below, especially, or around 500 at home, how do you expect to make a real run in the right. World Series? Right. Now, granted, atmospheres at home are different in the postseason compared to uh, regular season. Which, by the way, I'm going to spend so much money this October. Are you going to some games? I don't care what. <laughs> I don't care what it costs. All right. Well, if you want to buy me a ticket, I'll gladly take one. <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, I'm dishing out money. I might yeah. as well dish one out for Will McCormick. But the home atmosphere... Just something special in the postseason. It is unlike anything else in sports. Colder, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's kind of bundled up, got yep. their sweaters. It's hoodie season in the fall. Mm-hmm. At home, everybody is cheering for the home team, mostly everybody. Yeah. The point there being is that there's nothing like it. You can take me to a football game any time of the year. There's nothing like that. But it doesn't match up to playoff baseball at home. Never been to You're a playoff. Your favorite team. Never been to a playoff baseball game. I'd like to experience. It that. is something special. Towels a wave and everybody cheering. Everybody mm-hmm. packed in, strapped up again. It's cold in fall, ready to watch some playoff baseball and try to push their team to the World Series. So it is a different atmosphere at home uh, in the postseason compared to regular season. That doesn't take away from the fact that if you're not winning at home, that's. I mean, those are almost like 
I don't want to say gimme games because they should be though. They should be easier. Yeah, because you're not going to go like you're not going to win 60, 70 games at home. Right. But there's a distinct advantage from when you're home. There there's, is there, like there's a implied advantage, and if you don't take advantage, ooh, that's too many advantages. Advantage, advantage, advantage. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, there's a clear advantage you get from being in your home crowd, and it's not just the crowd too. It is the fact that teams are also rested. Players are at home. Players get to sleep in their own beds. Mm-hmm. Players are, don't have to travel. Right. There's no I'm, jet lag. I mean, they're home. They are yeah. at home. So there's that comfortability of being at home in their home ballpark, ready to play some baseball. So there's something different about that. Mm-hmm. Whether or not the hottest team is the Rays or the Cardinals or the Brewers or Boston or New York, this is going to be a wild postseason. And I can't wait to get there. A lot of game sevens. Yes, I do think. Yes, I do. I yeah. think that. Or like at least six game series, five game series kind of scenario. Well, because you look at these teams who are in the mix, and it's it's like there are three, two, three man rotations all over the place in baseball. I mean, when you look at the 2008 World Series for the Philadelphia Phillies, which is something I've discussed on the show, talking about Ryan Howard, Roy Holiday, Roy Oswalt, Cole Hamels. The big three in that pitching rotation that really helped progress them to a World Series championship. You look at some of these teams now. Easy example is the Brewers. Woodruff, Burns, Peralta. Big three in that starting rotation. You look at the Dodgers. Kershaw, Bueller, Scherzer. Even the Giants with uh, uh, Gosman, who's having an insane year. Johnny Cueto, guys alike. This is a postseason filled with pitching. So when there is a postseason filled with pitching, obviously there's going to be less offense. But that also means that there's going to be a lot of one nothing games, 2-1 games. There's going to be a lot of low-scoring games. Higher potential to go into extra innings. And with the stupid, yet exciting, again, stupid rule of having a runner start at second base oh, in extra that. innings. Isn't it just so dumb? Yeah. With that rule, that just heightens the tensions in the stadium. Because any given hit... The, any given swing can change the score, the outcome of the game. That gives such an advantage to the position. leadoff team. It's just, like it's just inauthentic. Where did he come from? Why is he there? Yeah. That's just uh, stupid. But again, the point being that you can't overlook the amount of pitching in this postseason. It's going to be a wild, raucous postseason filled with pitching, filled with energy, and filled with hope. I mean, this isn't just the you know, uh, Yankees another common team this isn't just yankees dodgers mm-hmm. this is white Sox. this is the rays this is brewers this is either any one of the three of the the braves phillies or mets these are teams that are hungry for a championship this isn't just the powerhouse mm-hmm. of yankees red Sox, dodgers they're there there's yeah they're, they're, they're there. still there but there's other good teams that are Looking like they can make a push. But there are other teams that are definitely in the mix. Do you think, so you, you really feel like four uh, or like sweeps isn't really going to be something we see as much this season? Just I don't of, think so. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think we'll see one. It'll be one. fun to watch. I don't think we'll see one. Yeah. Not one? Not one. Whoa. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll take your word for it. All right. The most likely playoff scenario to happen is if... You know, we have our three division leaders. Wild cards are going to be Dodgers, Cardinals. That'll be an amazing, amazing wild card game. 
then the winner would uh, go on to face the one seed in the Giants. And it would look like Brewers Braves at the two and three seeds would uh, would be that first NLCS. Looking across the way at the American League, division winners are probably going to be Rays, Astros, White Sox. I think, in fact, they've all won their division already. Or, or clinched playoff spots. Mm-hmm. Most likely it's going to be those three. And then wild cards, Boston and Toronto. Interesting. I don't know that Toronto has the pitching to necessarily compete in a series against the Rays, but maybe they could get it done against the Red Sox. I don't see that. I don't foresee that happening, though. So I think the Red Sox will get the job done. Red Sox, Rays would be the ALCS, and then Astros and White Sox because they're the two and three seeds. Interesting postseason we got ahead of us, Will. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I certainly am also excited for it and look forward to it. Now, from one sport to another, from one end of season play to one beginning of season play. What is the fate of the NFC North this season? Well, we've seen a lot of, uh, how do I want to put this? Bad football in the NFC North. This is a, a division that many people thought would be much more competitive. Packer mm-hmm. fans thought they were going to be competitive. Bears fans thought with Justin Fields they're going to be more competitive. Vikings fans thought with uh, their experience and Dalvin Cook coming back healthy, they're going to be good. Justin Jefferson in his second year, this is going to be a good team. Uh, good defense as well. Even Lions fans yeah. thought that under Dan Campbell, and starting to change things, DeAndre Swift has a year under his belt now. New quarterback in Jared Goff, let's see if that changes the system. They thought they were going to be a little bit more competitive than years past. All four teams were 0-1 coming out of Week 1. Well, It's been a weird start to the year for the NFC North. It has been, and that's why I'm bringing it up. Because here's what I've seen so far. The Vikings refuse to win. Just absolutely refuse like they hand games to other teams yeah missed field goal they late. have so far yeah at least so far and i think that trend will continue missed we'll field goal late like back in the playoffs you remember that game in uh minnesota seattle seahawks blair walsh missed yep. kick to win the game advance mm-hmm. him in the it's, uh, it's eerily similar they refuse to win win yeah football games Vikings 0-2. Zimmer, I think he's old, a little older style. He's not modern. He's not up to date with his thinking. Defensive-minded head coach. I think it's time he goes. I think there needs to be a switch in Miami there. And Kirk Cousins, we've said this before, but I want to reiterate. He's just not prime time. He's it's, just not a prime time quarterback. And it's interesting because like his play or his stats are showing. I mean, he's He's the highest-rated quarterback in the NFC North right now. Yeah, absolutely. He's yeah. setting at a yep. rating of 112.9. Yes. And it's just interesting because that, you know, Rodgers had a terrible week one, which kind of skews his yeah his rating. But Kirk is, for the regular season as of right now, the highest-rated quarterback. But it just yep. feels like yep. it, it, I think that what they're missing is, like, that little bit of spice at the quarterback position. Yeah. And I I think Kirk's a great quarterback. I think he could. But he's just bland. He he's just he could fit. He's like that quarterback I was saying last episode that you could throw into the Tennessee Titans offense. Yeah. And do yep. just fine. Absolutely. But I don't know if the Vikings are built like the Tennessee Titans yet to I like mean, have a quarterback like that. They're all the same quarterback. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. Jared Goff, Ryan, Jared Goff, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan. They're all the same person. Mm-hmm. I mean, Matt Ryan's won an MVP. Ryan Fitzpatrick maybe has a little more personality than the rest, but they're like all the same. Their, their play style is the very, very similar. They're just not prime time guys. 
They're not guys you're going to build around. They're not guys you want to commit to for long term. But, but they're you, guys to maybe they're serviceable. ignite things and turn around an organization. They're serviceable. You can win with them. They're absolutely serviceable. Yeah. And it's so like if the Vikings, I, I, not discounting the Vikings. I think they're a I'm well-built team. I'm not either. But they, at, at this point, they just refuse to win. I think that that'll continue. I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't. Look at the Bears. They're promising. I like them. I like Fields a little more than I think NFL critics do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they're a year or two away from legitimate competition. Yeah, and and we're really only looking at one full game. Not even a full game of him. Yeah, uh, not even yep. against the Rams. He had one pass. You know, or what? Yeah, yeah, one pass. Yeah, that's not many. Um, and then we're looking at one. Fullish game against the Bengals. Bengals, yeah. Not even really a full game. Andy Dalton was injured early, so Fields came in and took over. Yeah, and not a great performance. His completion percentage of 46.2, Well, that's exactly yards. A lot of NFL critics are really bearing on him so far because he did not look good in that win, in that week two win. He didn't. He just didn't. Right. But a lot of people are kind of like, he's not going to be good, kind of brushing it off like the Bears aren't going to be good again. Listen, I think it's it's not going to be... A situation, and we did just talk about this too, where a quarterback doesn't develop. Justin Fields, I like what I see out of him. Mm-hmm. Guy's got a lot of talent. He has a lot of poise. And I think he's a little more hungry than his counterparts who are his age, kind of in this league, their first, second year. I like what I see out of Joe Burrow as a young quarterback. I don't know that I like – I haven't seen enough of Tua talking about the law. I wouldn't like him enough to build around him. I certainly like a Justin Fields, however. I feel like he fits that the Bears organization really well. Sure. That's kind of what they needed. Yeah, it is. It, at least on the surface, having a quarterback with a little bit of swagger like that and a little bit of an attitude. Well, exactly, because they went out, the Bears went out and they signed a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it was the same guy of Ryan Tannehill, Matt yeah. Ryan, Andy Dalton. Kirk, Col- Kirk Cousins. They went out and got Andy Dalton, who yeah. is exactly the same guy as the list that we're trying to name of not primetime guys. Mm-hmm. Serviceable guys, yeah, but just not somebody you're going to win a championship with. Right. I not mean, you, somebody you, you're going to you, build around. You certainly could, but it requires the right team. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a player who's going to will you to win a championship. No, it's, it's just not. Point here being... I think they're a year or two away from legitimate competition, like I said. I still think they'll compete this year, but... I do, too. They're going to cause problems for teams. I don't know. I yes. can't really say for sure like how, what yep. their record's going to look like, but I think they'll be, they'll be that team that you know will kind of upset here and there. Yeah, yep. They're, At least. They're going to win seven games this year, eight games this year. They're going to be at, below, or maybe even above 500 by a game or two. I would say, yeah, they at least win eight. Yeah. At least. I, yep. But I, I could see them winning way more. I just want to see more. But I can also Justin see them Fields. winning way less too. <laughs> like I, we just need to, weird, yeah, we need to see more fields and, and kind of get a better idea about what he looks like two, Absolutely. three more games down the road. And then you look at the Monday night game, Packers Lions, mm-hmm. and the Lions look like the same old Lions now. Owen two. There's not much. There's not much there. Yeah, Jared Goff's there now, who is the same guy as Ryan Tannehill, who is the same guy as Kirk Cousins. There's nothing there that makes you buy in. They're going to win five, six games this year. And and you wonder, too, like if their performance offensively was a symptom. Or not a symptom, but was due to the defensive play of the Packers, too. Yeah. You can't really... I feel like the Packers' defense is not at all where it was in the years past. So yeah. it makes you wonder if the Lions are playing... If they're really that good or if they you know just played against a bad defense. See, that's the thing. It doesn't 
it, I, I, I'm not wondering. Because, again, we can talk about the Packers' defense. They're coming up. We haven't talked about them yet. Mm-hmm. I think what I've seen out of Detroit is nothing short of average. Hmm. It just is. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't see anything there for me to buy into. There, nothing there is going to make me say they're going to win 9, 10 games this year. Nothing. I don't see any style of play. I don't see any schemes. I don't see any personnel changes that make me go, wow, this team is good. I see they have talent. Quintez Cephas is good. I like DeAndre Swift out of the backfield. I really buy into him. Whatever quarterback they're going to draft this year or the next year after Jared Goff is getting ready to head out of Detroit, they'll have a certain amount of talent. But still, right now, there is nothing for me to buy into in Detroit. Yeah, I think former Badger, Cephas, looks like he's a great receiver. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of mad the Packers pass on him. but He was a fourth-round pick uh, to Detroit. But who are the two receivers that the that Detroit just lost in the um, in the off season to free agency? Uh, Marvin Jones and um, Galladay. Galladay. Yeah. Which that hurts. Mm-hmm. That hurts. Losing that talent. Two really good, you know, starting receivers on a lot of teams. Yeah. That that's that really hurts that offense. Not to mention Golden Tate was there. Right. So I mean, like they're they're and TJ Hawkinson's a guy that I really oh, buy into stud. as well. He's a stud. Absolutely, you have him stud. on the fantasy team. Point being, they do have talent there, but it's the Lions. So I don't see anything there to buy into yet. Like I said, there could be, but we'll have to see what I, I think they're. Mm-hmm. I think this like at least the going theme for almost every NFC team is that. There's missing pieces. Yes. There's not one team that I'm like, yeah, they're a complete squad. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And there's always going to be that. Yeah. I mean, you can, I mean, there's always room for improvement. Yeah. But there's not a team. But with Detroit, there's a lot yeah. of improvement to be done. But I'm saying, like, down across the board, I feel like all these teams have stuff that it's, they need to obviously improve on. And on that note, Will, why don't we just get right into the Packers? Mm-hmm. There's some holes on defense. Yeah. I mean, glaring holes. Mm-hmm. I fully retract my confidence. I hereby state, Tony G on the Tony G Show, I hereby retract my confidence, my pride, my trust, and my alliance with Kevin King. Yeah. He needs to go. He's done. Sorry, pal. Hit the bricks. I think he allowed, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it was like over 100 receiving yards and five targets. Well, the rookie Well, I mean, like, first Stokes. drive of the game. Yeah. Third down. The first third down of the game. Lions get the ball to start the game. Yeah. First third down. Dump it right over his head. In in Lions territory. And it's like a 60-yard completion. Yeah. To Quintez Cephas right over Kevin King's head. Yep. The guy doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the hands. It's time for him to go. Yeah. Eric Stokes played like a dog. He did. Him and Jair. Yeah. Opposite each other. Wow. I think he allowed... On uh, five targets, five yards of receiving. I don't know if that as was a rookie. Is a rookie, and I think that might have been just the Lions game. So I really like what the Packers done at the cornerback position there. Yeah, Chandon Sullivan. He needs work. He does, but he's definitely serviceable. Yeah. I I think that he's a good he's a good guy to have that rotates in. Yeah, he has experience too. Yeah, Darnell Savage, young guy, stud has he has instinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have seen a couple of lacks plays from Adrian Amos this year so far. But he's still I mean that's something he's not once he, he gets in midseason form, I Yeah, he's not the problem. I have complete trust in Adrian Amos. So they ha- they have a good secondary besides Kevin King. The real problem comes in the front seven. But is it a stamina issue? 
Is it a substitution well, package that Joe Barry has implemented in his defense? Yeah, and I get it's it's probably a substitution substitution package related thing. But even like you see like uh, like Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary getting subbed out a lot, and which I get that like yeah when they had Zedarius, it wasn't that big of a deal because he's a, they're they're all studs. But yeah, when you're subbing in. I don't even know who the outside linebackers. I don't even have their names off the top of my head that would yeah. that replace them. You know, it's not your fault that you don't know them because I had the, you know, any time I go to the Packer game, I was there on Monday night. As were you, I go and I get the rosters and I look. And every time that there's someone thrown in that direction or someone who makes a play on that, de- that defensive line is just a bunch of unknowns. It feels like a modpodged position group where the Packers just kind of found guys and threw them in. The 2020 season when the Packers lost to the Bucks and we said. One of the things the Packers need to work on is that linebacking core. They need to they need to have depth there, and they need to have performance there because they don't have it right now. And here we are, and it's the same glaring issue. Why is Ty Summers still on the roster? I get that it's not an easy sport to play, and I could never play every snap and make a difference on a defense, but they should. I beg to differ. They should be able to. I beg to differ. You would be a standout safety. I don't know. And I guess when You'd you be a standout cornerback, at standing at five seven, off the edge. standing at five seven, I would do nothing. <laughs> Comparing Kenny Clark to Lancaster had thirty two percent of the snaps. Dean Lowry had sixty percent. Kiki had fifty six. Point here being is that there are holes in that run defense. Yeah, bad ones. Yeah, need to get fixed. Yeah, look at offense. Didn't look good at all in week one. Week two, they really started to figure it out. Week two looked amazing. Week two, they had a very good offense. Now, granted, it's Detroit. And it's going to be a good test this Sunday as we get into Tony G's picks of the week here coming up in a couple minutes. It's going to be a good test as they go to San Francisco and play the 49ers. Hmm. I, yeah, you know, it's weird because Mm -hmm. this offense looks a lot similar to last year's. And last year's was successful. So maybe that's, it just looks... Almost uh, I, similar. Yeah, I wonder if the Saints thing was uh, seeing if they could win without showing their tricks kind of scenario. Maybe. Yeah. Because it felt like the, the, the offense, when they're playing the Lions, had a lot more motion. Saints, yeah. Saints uh, the offense they used against the Saints felt like it was pretty stagnant and didn't really yep. utilize a lot of those jet sweep motions. Not and, much energy. And yeah. Like it, was, it was just weird. The communication on offense, I think, was better in Week 2 than in yes. Week 1 for sure. Yes. You saw Aaron Rodgers use a lot less timeouts. You see him not being as frustrated with the play calls or the personnel packages or the schemes. You saw them catching the Lions off guard in Aaron Rodgers' fashion with 12 men on the field on, I think, two different occasions. So you see a lot more communication, and granted, it could be that they were at home. But it doesn't – it's not worth forgetting about. It's worth mentioning that I think there's a lot to improve on from week one to week two and Mm -hmm. three and four and so on. But I think it's a stride in the right direction. Yeah. Packers are going to be probably towards the top of the division come end of season. We'll see. You don't know if it's going to be Bears. You don't know if it's going to be Vikings because they all look similar right now. At this point, they they all look look like they're trying to figure themselves out. Yeah. All of these teams. It looks pretty even at this point. Yeah. It does look pretty even when you think about coming into the season, who is going to be who and who is going to impress. Yeah. On this note, Will, Mm -hmm. what do you think about going to Tony Giso's picks of the week? It's either option one, going to the Tony G Show picture, or, or option two, uh, ending the show here. I think we should end. We'll see you on Tuesday. <laughs>
See you on Tuesday, Will. Come on, really? <laughs> it's Tony G's Picks of the Week. Here's the thing. I have sucked the first two weeks. I own it. I own it. Mm-hmm. I wear it around like a badge. I have it on my forehead. This week's the week. This week is the week where I turn things around. I come into this week 3-7, and seven, a 74-53 and 53 overall record in the history of Tony G Picks of the Week. Thursday. Here's the, Tony G's Picks of the Week for... Week three. Thursday, tonight, Panthers 2-0 at Texans, who are 1-1. Texans beat the Jaguars in week one, lost to Cleveland week two. Panthers, they've impressed so far. 2-0, Sam Darnold looks good. Panthers are 7.5 favorites. I'm going to go with the Panthers, 31-17 tonight in Thursday night football. Sunday noon game, Bengals 1-1, Steelers 1-1. Steelers are the 4.5 point favorites. This was a tough game. I went back Mm -hmm. and forth in my head a lot on this one. And so is the next one. I think the Steelers are more battle-tested, beat the Bills on the road in Buffalo. Hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. I think they've, they're at home in this game. I don't like their offense. I still don't buy into Big Ben anymore. Yeah. I think it's kind of an older offense, out of date, and they're going to have some struggles. Bengals are promising. They have a better offense than before, but they're like the Bears. How I said that earlier in the season, or early in exactly. this episode, that they're, they're a year or two away from really yeah. putting it all together. And Especially coming off a loss to the Bears. It's kind of like... Yeah. If they can't beat the Bears, I mean, we're not going to imply that the Steelers are worse than the Bears. And granted, they were on the road in Chicago, but it was still a Chicago team who doesn't know their offensive identity yet. Yeah. I'm going to go with Steelers at home, 26-23, this Sunday noon game. Cool. Sunday afternoon game. This was an even even tougher one for me to pick. Buccaneers 2-0 at the Rams 2-0. Buccaneers are favorites by one and a half. Oh, okay. Mm. It's pretty, yeah, pretty slim. I think this is a new Rams offense under Matthew Stafford. I really liked him. I think the Buccaneers are a strong team this year. Coming out firing on all cylinders, 2-0. I am going to take the Rams, 29-28 in a very close one, Sunday afternoon. Los Angeles, they're at home. Buccaneers are on the road. I don't don't think the Buccaneers are too battle-tested yet. That win against Dallas, they took to the wire. I think Rams are going to get the win in this one, 29-28. Sunday night football. Packers 1-1, one one. San Francisco 2-0, 49ers are 3.5-point favorites. Hmm. I think the 49ers, they have not proved much either. A 41-33 win at Detroit, and then a 17-11 victory in Philadelphia. Packers, they look good in Week 2, but it's easy to look good against Detroit. Mm-hmm. Both these teams have beat the Lions. The thing with the Packers, though, is they don't play well when they go out west. No. They get trounced when they go out there. They get beat by San Francisco when they head out there every time. They get beat by the Chargers when they go out there. Their offense completely forgets themselves. I think this is going to be a 49ers victory. Packers are going to fall to 1-2. and two. 49ers, 42-31, high-scoring game. Don't like the defense in either one here. Maybe I, you, I, do, like, plus, I do like 49ers defense. I take that back. Yeah, you couldn't contradict your your pick. You know, we, we went through the, the season, and that you chose them to lose to the, the 49ers. So I was about to call you out on that if you I did. contradicted yep. Yep. your... When we went through the, the yeah. Packers previewing the season, I think 49ers 42-31 on a high-scoring victory on Sunday night. Monday night football. Eagles 1-1 one one at Cowboys 1-1. One one. Dallas, the three-and-a-half-point favorites. Close loss to Tampa Bay. Close win in Los Angeles against the Chargers for Dallas, which impressed me. I had the Chargers picked last week. I think they're going to come home, look fluent with Dak. They look really good right now. Eagles are unproven. They're on the road. I'm going to give Dallas the 28-10 victory on Monday Night Football. Tony G's picks of week three. 
Panthers 31-17, Steelers 26-23, Rams 29-28, 49ers 42-31, and the Cowboys at 28-10. We're thinking a 5-0 and week coming up? I need it. Yeah. I'm at the point, Will, where a 5-0 and week mm-hmm. would net me one game over 500. Oof, it's looking rough for you. That is rough. Yeah. 1-4 last week. That's That just can't happen. Inexcusable. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. When we come back on Tuesday... We will be set to release the newest Tony G Show interviews with Luca Kenyon. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Uh, we will have, next week is our last week of updates on Will's golf game. And yours. Yeah, and Will's. <laughs> so that'll be the last week next week. Big week of shows coming up next week. We already have movement in our October series for... Man, I'm just excited thinking yeah. about it. We have movement in November as well. Good stuff we have coming names up. picked out. I, I, yeah. Keep an eye out for Tony G. It's show, be fun. Man. We are blown out. Word. <laughs> All right. All right, well, you have a good weekend. You too, I'll buddy. see you Tuesday. Sounds good. For a game of golf, Tony G. Show. I might even see you before then. Yeah. Uh, for Tony G. Show interviews. Keep an eye out for that. Tony G. Nation, keep an eye out. I mean, say a prayer for my picks this week. It could use a little bit of <laughs> It could, it could use a little bit of love, so keep an eye out for that. This has been the Tony G Show. Thanks for listening. Six episodes in the books of Season 7. Join us next week for the Tony G Show. Thanks for listening to the Tony G Show. Support the show on social media on Twitter and Instagram. Also, make sure to subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. 